From the citadel of dusk to the frozen heart of the northern wastes, we scour these lands for ancient tombs and stories untold. Within the great temple of Verena, we make our stand against the darkness that seeks to take the light of knowledge. We welcome one and all to our hallowed halls of enlightenment, in hopes you may glean some insight into our old world. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of uh, Peril's Importance, the uh, Warhammer Fantasy Podcast. I know it's been a while since we've uh, put an episode out, but a couple things have changed, schedules got con- conflicted, you know, life. But uh, I'm here today with uh, your professor, your my fellow professor Jason, and then our guest lecturer uh, Jared. How's it How's going, it guys? What's up? What's up? Exceptionally. Yeah. Um... Nothing super exciting's been going on. Uh, I got I got to watch uh, Jason and our friend Eric from uh, Squarehammer uh, face off in a grudge match of Chaos Dwarves and and Corn. That was kind of fun. Oh yeah, that was fun for one of us. Yeah, well, no, I'm uh, kidding. That game was a blast. Well, I think on his side he had like a a bloodthirster the size of the table and then you had let's see what what all did you have jason in your list oh goodness let's see uh starting uh, start from the top, the top we've got Aries. that terrific um lamasu riding sorcerer prophet uh is rapidly becoming my favorite unit uh we oh. had right oh come, oh come on i did have, I a, did thought have a thought today though I honestly, I honestly think she's think like the she's flappy, like flappy uh, fantasy, uh, fantasy version of the Flexomancer. She totally is. I mean, I don't she mind draws... the Flexomancer though. Really? There's no fantasy version of Sigismund. I mean, except for Sigismund, yeah, yeah. but you know, <laughs> except for literally <laughs> Sigismund. Right. I mean, uh, I mean, slightly was... different. But... Wasn't it third edition that brought it? Like Space Marines could show up, or. Uh, there was a lot of 40k artifacts, and this was around the same time Games Workshop insisted, no, that's stupid, it's just a rumor that Warhammer Fantasy is one planet in Warhammer 40k. <laughs> oh shit, we need to retcon this, quick, quick, quick. Fix it. Fix it now! Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, like how uh, the slands are actually in everything. Let's see here. Still going down the list. Uh, in Heroes, we've got a single... Oh. Go ahead. Sorry, Jason. Oh, no worries. Uh, oh, gosh. I forget what they're called now. Um, I'm used to the Tomercon version of Dark Stellan uh, in Hero. Uh, that's a BSB. We've got one of the Bull Centaur Taruk which I think are probably my favorite hero choice of all time. Uh, 
for troops. We've got a little block of Infernals, a little block of Devastators, a Bazooka, just because, you know, they're terrific. Uh, five Goblin Wolf Riders. And then Special fills up most of the rest of the army. There are two six-man units of Bull Centaur Renders, uh, a Magma Cannon, and a Death Shrieker. Fun. And at least when I was there... For the first time ever, your Death Shrieker did not die on the first turn trying to shoot at something. What? Okay, ad admittedly that's more user error on my part when I just get greedy. Jared, we can hear you crunching everything, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, that's probably Henry wrapping me in toilet paper right now. Ah, fair enough. If anybody's I'm curious, uh, Jared has a precocious toddler that is currently turning him into a tomb king so uh continue jason sorry <laughs> literally no. I, i'm not kidding he's walking around me with yeah <laughs> exceptional work henry it's on theme it's fantasy we can go with yeah, it yeah there you go yeah <laughs> good times so uh that was the entirety of my list uh i looked at eric's list uh i'm all about you know the polite pre-game uh you know, list over I uh, looked at it and I was like, what I need to do here to have a good chance is avoid getting stuck in without bloodthirster. Uh, absolute first thing I did, got stuck without bloodthirster. Uh, but it was really fun, uh, especially with the dwarves lately. Uh, I've had a lot of fun just trying to go big and dumb and i mean you can't see a model as gorgeous on the table as one of those massive old forge world bloodthirsters and not want to get into a fight with it i mean it's right? 530 points of mean yeah so like there was a definite attempt to ash storm it so it couldn't charge me but i think i settled for uh well i say i settled uh Eric just dispelled Ashstorm. Uh, but I did uh, get into combat with it and stuck it there for a while. Uh, unfortunately, not much else went right there either. Uh, it was a pretty hilariously long and protracted uh, death for the Chaos Dwarfs. But it was a lot of fun, like, along the way. Good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Eric's a pretty good dude. Yeah. So so, Jared, uh, you know, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. I'm sure they've heard you on... Uh... Henry, hold on, hold on. <laughs> no, no. No, no. No, I comes here. I'm sure they've... Uh... It goes on here. No. Okay, so I am a total newbie to uh, fantasy. I literally I got into Warhammer in general, like just a little bit before uh, Age of Sigmar became a thing. So uh, I always thought fantasy was kind of cool, but just literally never had a chance to play it. Um, and then through the collective badgering of you 2 and Austin and Dave, basically everyone, uh, I finally you know, drank the Kool-Aid and uh, took the dive into it. And thank God for uh, 3D printing. Yeah, because now you uh, have a stupid amount of keys left, right? Yeah, I've, I've got uh, 2,500 points of kiss left together. Fun. 
And, uh, you know, I like the, uh, the option of just doing an all cavalry force. Um, I really enjoy their fluff. So secretly, you really just wanted to be a Bretonians player, is what I'm hearing. No. They have way too much stuff to read, I'll be honest. Like, going through all these armies and just seeing the sheer amount of lore and stuff that's been accrued over, I mean, God knows how long fantasy was around, what, 20, 30 years? Yeah. I mean, well, Kislev's nice in that the list and the, the you know, it's like 130-some-odd pages for the whole codex. Yeah, it's kind of like Empire Light. Um, Sorry, hold on. Oh, no, you're good. Uh, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, Keys lives a little bit like Empire Light, and uh, I don't know, luckily, I, I feel like at least the guys who have developed uh, the Warhammer Armies project, like, a lot of the lore was already there. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, they haven't had to create anything brand new. Um, they've even, like, used some of the stuff from, like, the games for, model, or for like, character ideas and things like that. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, so far I've done probably six games, I think. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, there's, I've had a reasonable amount of success. I think I've got like a 50-50 win-loss record, which isn't bad for being brand new to this rule set. Yeah, um, that's pretty good. Yeah, definitely like uh, Lore of Ice so far. I think that is... Yeah, Just I've heard really, some nasty really, really things about lore of, the lore of ice. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, just the, you know, the fact that any unit get, getting hit with it is, you know, at negative one ballistic and weapon skill is pretty cool. Yeah, it, it's also pretty demoralizing for anyone who's going in on a charge. <laughs> yes. I do really like it because one of my favorite spells in the game is the signature from Shadow, uh, Mystifying Miasma. And getting hit with any Kislev spell is like a little mini miasma. Yeah. It's like negative to weapon skill, but also whatever else the spell does. Yeah. And that's just like terrific, like across the board. I mean, Jason, wasn't it the first game we did where I accidentally hit everyone on the board with a spell? And, oh, right. Uh, like turn one. Yeah, with the big giant uh, number six spell. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a big... Uh, it was a big Elsa move, just kind of. Yeah, you just let it go, and like you didn't mean to. Literally, I, I killed like fifteen of my own models, because uh, I had a lot of you know, lightly armored cavalry who don't do well against. I mean, like, again, two d six hits of anything. That is, <laughs> that is additional big Elsa, Elsa energy. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Screw yeah, everybody thinks people. of you know how many people she killed when she drowned Arendelle in ice. You know. But, She's not the best ruler. Uh, she's, she's not, not but, but she didn't, didn't want, want to, be. to be. But that's why she rules now. I mean, if anybody's seen the second one, what, wait, why are we talking about frozen lore and not fantasy uh, lore? Because Elsa's metal as fuck. She is. This is correct. Yeah, she is probably. Um, like she should she created be. created sentient life. Like, she just figures out her ice powers, and the first thing she does is, like, rip this giant ice ziggurat out of the bones of a mountain. Hmm? That's metal shit. Yeah. I mean, what's the, the snow snowman guy? I mean, he's basically like an imp, you know, sidekick. He, he could be her Igor. and you know. like a familiar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the word I was trying to think of. There you go. Well, 
No, she should totally be like storming Asgard, you know, mm -hmm. bringing death to the mortal realms. Makes perfect sense. So let's. There's got to uh, be like some, you know, crossover fan fiction of her and Loki getting together. And, uh oh, well, I mean, destroying the Loki's world. Loki's now a Disney princess, so you know. Uh, yeah, but sure. Yeah, <laughs> checks out. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to bring up though, uh, Elsa and Kita from Atlantis are the only two Disney queens. I did like the the uh, <laughs> Disney Atlantis movie. Nobody liked that movie. Don't lie. Oh, shut the fuck up. I really enjoyed it. And I liked the game, too. So That There's movie a game? was absolute dog biscuits. No, it was not. You just didn't like the mole character. Um, he was creepy. Yeah. But I digress. And before we go any farther into Disney, um, let's talk. Let's get into our uh, usual segment about our favorite units. Uh Jason, do you want to go first, or should I, or... Absolutely. Okay. Um, so, one of my favorites is one of the little dudes I'm painting right now, which is a troll. Uh, I absolutely love how versatile they are. Uh, one of my favorite things about the entire fantasy game is how well trolls kind of adapt to a bunch of situations. Which, I mean, at first you, you know, look over them, strength five, toughness four, uh, got three wounds, they're kind of dumb and slow, you know, they have to work with stupidity, which is not great, uh, but the most fun I've ever had with an army is my Warriors of Chaos list with Colic Sun Eater, and Throg the Troll King. Because uh, Throg lets you take trolls as core. And they are every bit as delightful in 9th edition as they were in the uh, base game. Uh, but now they're even more adaptable because you've got options for light armor, you've got options for additional hand weapons, or great weapons. Uh, a strength seven troll with like three or four attacks is terrific, and they're not even all that expensive. Uh, fully upgraded with light armor and a great weapon, they're low 40s per troll. So a little block of like six or seven with Throg in there has done great things. I'm a big fan. Yeah. And also, they uh, are available to Beastmen now which is terrific because they pair very, very well with a Doombull or a Gorbull. Uh, he will make the trolls frenzied. He gives them a decent little bump to their leadership so they don't have to worry so much about stupidity. And uh, there is a terrific little magic item called the Blackened Plate that's unique for the Beastmen. Uh, gives you a four-up ward against flaming attacks, which means any flaming attacks that will deny the trolls four-plus regeneration now instead gives them a four-plus ward. So does so? Question about that then, Jason? Actually, yes. I have two questions. Um, so does that mean do they still get the regen, or is it either they get the regen or they get the ward? So, uh, in ninth edition, you can indeed get both a region and a ward. Uh, it goes in order, armor, ward, region. 
the difference being, I don't. There are only a couple of magic effects I think I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there's some special ability out there somewhere that denies a ward. I know there are a couple of magic items that make you re-roll wards, um, but typically wards are not very modifiable. Whereas uh, regen can be denied by a couple things. Uh, first and foremost are flaming attacks. Great. Uh, anything flaming just ignores regen completely, no matter what it is. Uh, and uh, killing blows also ignore regen. But say, for instance, I've got a, a paladin uh, charging a unit of trolls that mm -hmm. has a doom bowl or gore bowl with that plate. Mm -hmm. Um and I use, I have the worm lance, and so mm -hmm. I do the flaming attack with it. So what I'm asking is, does that armor cancel out the effect of the flaming attack stopping their regen? Or does it does it just cancel out the regen and then lets them do a ward instead? So the way the armor works, and this is purely for this armor, uh, it makes the wearer immune to fire attacks. Okay. Uh, it makes the unities with, well, it doesn't make them anything, uh, it gives them a 4-plus ward against fire. So, in the case you just described, uh, they would lose their regen because it's a flaming attack, but they would gain the 4-plus ward because it is a flaming attack. Gotcha. So, I mean, it's like... And... It's, hmm. Yeah, so it's just replacing one with the other. Interesting. Yeah. And then my second question... Is do your trolls vomit? Because as oh, an as absolutely. an orc player, I'm used to taking a squad of river trolls, maybe a hag, and <sighs> vomiting all over the place. Uh, vomit is still a spectacular option because uh, trolls have weapon skill three. That's one of the well, that and stupidity are kind of their only big downsides. Uh, troll vomit hits automatically. And it's a strength 5 attack that ignores armor. So it is classically, you know, the bane of heavily armored knights. Um, it feels almost like it was originally developed by someone at Games Workshop that was, like, mad at Bretonia. Uh, but it's real good. Uh, trolls almost feel, like, personally developed to frustrate cavalry. But it's good business. Um... Now, the fun thing about Chaos Trolls is, um, you know, all trolls have kind of their special little thing. Like River Trolls, you get negative one to hit because they're gross and slimy. Uh, rock Trolls have a little bit of natural armor. Uh, Chaos Trolls have magical vomit. So they can hit ghosts. So they have, Other ethereal stuff. So they have magic attacks? Interesting. Uh, their attacks aren't magic. Like, they can't swing and hit ghosts. Right, but their vomit is, is magic, or their shooting attack is magic, right? Their vomit is magic, yes. Hmm. Interesting. In more ways than one. Can you give uh, Chaos Trolls runes or anything like Like, I know you used to be able to give individual units marks in a Chaos Army. Uh, sadly not. Okay. Um, Chaos Trolls did not get marks. However, while we're on the topic... Uh, let's talk about Throg, too, because he is the Chaos Troll, and he's terrific. Uh, so, so, he's basically just a boosted normal troll. 
Uh, he's got a decent little armor save. He's got the normal regeneration. He's got four wounds. Uh, he's got a big, mean, great weapon. Uh, so two fun special things about Throg. Uh, first off, his vomit is a breath weapon. So that is 2d6 hits instead of just one uh, when you fire it into combat. Or you can fire it like a uh, flamethrower template uh, during the shooting phase, which is great. Uh, also, he has mutant regeneration, which means if he passes two or more regeneration saves in the same uh, round, or I'm sorry, not the same round, the same phase, so like uh, same shooting phase, same combat phase, what have you, uh, he gets to roll on the Eye of the Gods table like he just defeated a champion or a monster in close combat in the challenge. Which well, is hilarious. Well, that's ridiculous. My god. Ridiculously awesome. I don't know about that. See, everybody everybody uh, makes fun of trolls until, uh, you know, he organizes them into a troll union. Huh. Well, I mean, good times. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, um... Now I gotta worry about dealing with that um, with yep. my with my heavy <laughs> armor shield and barding. Um, that'll be fun. Automatic hit. Wound on a two. Ignores armor. armor. Uh, come on, Ish. lady save. Come on, lady save. Well, I guess with that, I will go into my unit of the week, and it is um, the priestess or priestesses of Shalya. Um, these are awesome little essentially they're support casters and they're best just like stuck in a unit um generally an anvil in my case i stick them in a unit of foot knights um yeah unit of foot knights with like a templar in it and they're let's see how many points are there are, are they're fairly cheap and they're they're they don't really you're not going to get into combat with them um but any unit that she's in uh gets a automatic regen six which is awesome i mean an extra regen on top of the lady save which is already a six um she's a pacifist which means you then put her in the second rank so she doesn't have to accept challenges and then one of the really nice things is that She's kind of a caster, so she has three different prayers, and all of them are innate bound spells. So she gets a bonus to casting them. Um, she gets the same amount of channel dice and dispel dice as a level one, though. So, But she has uh, Shalia's Endurance, where um, she boosts a target's vitality so when it's cast the unit she is with but not herself gets plus one to its toughness until the next magic phase then she has martyrdom where she selects a friendly character within 12 inches and all wounds caused on that character are ignored and then she suffers a strength three hit with no saves allowed for each wound suffered instead um, and that remains in play until she dies or, you know, you win the game. And then she has Purify, which is a 12-inch all-around automatic D-spell of um, hexes. In addition, though, any undead or demonic unit in base contact with uh, her unit 
has to take D6 uh, strength 5 hits. Which, I mean, she's essentially like the perfect unit to just slide into, you know, whether it's a unit of foot knights or it's a unit of uh, men-at-arms or, heck, you can even put her in with some bowmen if you really want. But, I mean, she's she's all of uh, 50 points, which is pretty fantastic for a support caster like that. Um, yeah. That's my unit. Um, she's a lot of fun. Jason had some fun fighting her, I think, uh, last time I was over. And his Kadai essentially got stuck into my anvil of foot knights for a solid two or three rounds before he eventually clobbered his way through them. So She's nasty. I don't know why there. I thought you were going to say she's the perfect uh, character to slide into your DMs. <laughs> but um her paired I mean, with the, the, oh, go ahead. the one you made of the model you made of her is, is is you know quite uh quite sexy so i mean oh, totally well that sense. that wasn't purposeful i just couldn't find a good priestess model um just yeah, saying she's showing a lot of skin. Like, <laughs> yeah i mean you didn't need you didn't to need pick, pick the one priestess, priestess on disco yeah oh, well <laughs> girls got to make some money um the temple doesn't pay for everything but kind of as a as a secondary unit, which I kind of mentioned to that, I throw a Templar Crusader into that anvil unit because he gives everyone fiery zeal, which is hatred, which is amazing. And you can give him, you can give him, uh, you can't change his vow. He, he just has the, the knight's vow. Um, but you can put him in a lance formation so he can go on a horse. Um, and so he essentially acts like a... A paladin that can give your units uh, hatred. Which is kind of terrific. Yeah. Uh, and again, the only downside is is he can't go anything above a knight's vow. So, like, you can only stick him in a unit of knights. You can't stick him in a unit of, uh, like, grail knights or questing knights. So. Yeah, but he gives them hatred. Yeah, no, which is awesome. Better in some cases. Yeah, and so my uh, the model I chose for my Knight Templar is or my Templar Knight is the uh, Highland Miniatures uh, did a model of King Arthur from Monty Python, and so that's my uh, Knight Templar or my Templar Knight. So seems apropos. Yeah, I'm going to uh, print his what's his. Uh, his squire's name, Patsy, you know, the guy with the, the coconuts. And, I'm, <laughs> and I'm, if I want to put them in a unit of uh, foot knights, I'm just going to put them together on their 25s I and call that a unit on horse. So. Um, helping yeah. you build. So, Jared, what's your unit or magic or anything? Yeah, tell us fun stuff. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, Andrew needed something. Uh, are, are, are we on to, to a unit of mine? Yeah. Okay, stand by. I'm finding it. No, the, no worries. The PDF keeps crap in the bed. Okay. Um, my choice would be the Brotherhood of the Bear. They're Ooh. a sort of unique, far less heard of Kislevite uh, cavalry unit that... Uh, you would think they're the guys on the bears, but no, those are the sons of Urson. 
Um, these guys are basically Kiss Love's version of a knightly order, um, but instead of you know big you know knights on with lances and barding, they're kind of hit and run sort of ambush fighters. Um, so they're you know your normal movement eight, you know fast cavalry, um, but they also have you know hatred chaos. Um, they're skirmishers and they're ambushers. So they can come off of any board edge if you get them in reserve. Um, they've got vanguard, so they can do that, you know, scouting move um, before the game starts. Uh, they've got spears; their weapons go four, so they're pretty solid in, uh, you know, close combat. They also have bows, so you know they can be ranged if they need to be. Um, and just every single game, they do something really good for me. I mean, last. Uh, game against Jason, I mean, I consistently, like, run them up a flank and go after artillery with them. And, uh, I mean, they're just, they're fast. They they have light armor, so they do not stand up well in combat. But uh, they're just really, really good at getting in and uh, being where they're not wanted. Interesting. So, you know, Artillery-sensitive units, archers, um, can, can, I'm able to consistently go after them. Um, and they're like 190 points for 10 of them i mean they're pretty cheap oh that's not bad so do you run them in i guess two ranks of five or yeah two yeah. separate units of five maybe yeah yeah that's cool uh, is it worth the bow upgrade or they normally come with spears right no they they get bows and spears oh okay that's pretty cool they're dual yeah. weapon yeah yeah so yeah they sound like uh Annoying little assholes. Good thing I don't yeah, have any artillery. <laughs> well, what I love about them, and I say this having like been on the receiving end of them several times now, uh, they're way more potent in combat than you would expect, like, um, you know, a 20-point light cavalry model to be. And they consistently punch above their weight. It's kind of neat to see them work. Yeah, I'm strongly considering dropping... I've got two units of uh, horse archers, and I'm just considering dropping those and just taking ten more Brotherhood of the Bear because they're just better. Are they... They are pretty great. Yeah, I mean, I guess they aren't the... Uh, are they a special choice? Or are they... Uh... Special, yeah. Oh, yeah, then you can totally take some. Um, yeah, I was going to say, if they're rare, then... Yeah, You know, yeah. like, I can only take one unit of Grail Knights at 2,500. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm kind of excited. You and I need to get a game in, Jared, and we do, we do. Because you're essentially a cavalry heavy force. I'm a cavalry heavy force. Yeah, although I've been told by many people I need to put a trebuchet in my in my army. Um, <laughs> I mean, as well as the BSB. Um, everybody tells those me are they're good. <laughs> they're good, and I think after my last game, I realized that I really need one when. I lost combat by one, and then I rolled leadership on my Grail Knights with a Prophetess, and I lost that by one. And they just, they were on the very edge of the board, and they just poof. Tragic. Yeah. Oh. Was not ideal. No, it was not. But yeah, um, cool. I guess uh, let's move on into talking Keyslev. 
Like, uh, Jared, tell us about it. You know, why'd you choose it? Tell us maybe a little bit of the lore and, you know, tell us about your army lists and that kind of stuff. Uh, well, choosing them, honestly, I agonized for a long time over factions and those reading and going through, you know, obviously whose models are most readily available. And, um, you know, honestly, I picked up Kiss Love and I was like, man, these are cool. You know, they're, they're a little bit different from the Empire. They've got more kind of a bit more flavor than just, you know, your standard, you know, fantasy Imperial Guard type stuff. Uh, but, uh, you know, seeing the Winged Lancers, and I was like, damn, that's cool. And there's lots of good models um, out there for them, which is really nice. There's a couple uh, 3D printer file makers who've really, really done good work uh, kind of going through the Kislev army list and making good stuff. Um, and that that was honestly one of the real tipping points for me was, you know, realizing that I could actually do this. And, you know, I, I, mean, I got 2,500 points for pretty cheap. Uh, it was like a couple hundred bucks and, and got a 2,500 point list together, which was nice. Yeah, compared um, to like 30K where 2,500 points is like almost $1,000 or something stupid like yeah, it was, that. It was basically like birthday money. <laughs> so yeah. Just, yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, their lore in a nutshell is basically they're the, the land that sits between the Empire and the Chaos Wastes. Uh, so they are constantly under threat of invasion, constantly fighting off uh, you know, Chaos Marauders, Chaos Incursions, Demons. Um, also, you know, Orcs, Trolls, because they border up uh, to like the World's Edge Mountains and a lot of the Badlands. Um, so they're just constantly at war, on a war footing, whereas, you know, the Empire has its sections that are, you know, decadent and, and you know, spoiled nobles that Kislev doesn't oh. have that. <laughs> they're very much perpetually at war in some fashion. Uh, but they are good buddies with the Empire and, and are still, you know, staunchly, um, you know, against chaos, though they have a, they seem to have a different, uh, you know, pantheon than, uh, than the Empire does religiously. Um, it's funny, I actually just uh, a month or two ago listened to Beastlayer, which is part of the Go Trek and Felix series that's mm -hmm. set in Kislev. Um, and I think there's a lot of, there's a bit of, uh, I guess, discrepancy, just, just an evolution in the Kislev lore between that novel, which is, is very, very old, and the uh, Codex. Um, you know, in, uh, in the rules, uh, Kislev, they're all about, um, their, their main religion is centered around the bear god Urson, and they've got, you know, bear cavalry and trained bears and great armored bears. They've got a lot of bear choices. Uh, some of your special characters can take bears as mounts. Um, and, uh, but in like Go Trek and Felix, there's like no mention of that at all. It's just kind of a, I think it's the thing that the uh, writers of the codex put in, which I'm glad they did. Yeah, no, I mean, their their list seems very like there's a lot of bear centric stuff, but also they they have like a pretty solid infantry or excuse me infantry roster too. And yeah, know, they do. I know you're more of a cavalry guy. Like you know, you said it earlier in the episode that like you're really enjoying the cavalry. What what made you go cavalry over say you know, um, a bunch of like Kreml guard and like um, 
they've got those guys that have guns and halberds at the same time, right? Uh, yeah, str- uh, I'm going to mess up the pronunciation. Stru- yeah, Strutzy. Yeah. Um, you know, they do, they've got, and there's a lot of good models out there for them. Um, I think the low model count kind of appealed to me yeah. and the, the hitting hard. Um, I think as I, uh, you know, get more into it, I'm gonna, I am going to branch out and, um, cause there are, there's so much good stuff you can do with their infantry choices. Um, so just to start, um, their army special rules, they have Ken of the bear God, which, uh, basically all models with this and basically everybody gets it. Uh, they reroll panic checks, um, which is nice. Um, they also have hates chaos. So, um, and this is something that Jason and I discussed. Uh, it specifically says in their profile, um, all models with this rule have hatred, words of chaos, demons of chaos and beastmen. Um, before Jason and I's first game, we talked it over and, you know, he agreed, and, and it was kind of my thinking, too, that they hate Chaos Dwarves, too, because why would you be okay with one type of Chaos if you hate every other type of Chaos? Which Jason was a gentleman and agreed to that. Uh, yeah, I guess I can see the argument. If you look at a map, uh, the Chaos Dwarf homeland, where Kislev is directly north, essentially, mm-hmm. of the Empire... The Chaos Dwarf homeland is, like, to the east. And I guess the argument could be there that, like, oh, well, they don't have to go directly through Kislev, so the Kislevites wouldn't have as much experience. But also, come on. Come on. They're warp-tainted. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's in their name. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> Chaos Dwarves. It's like, your whole deal. Like It's their whole deal, yeah. Like... That shit is a chaos god. Like, I mean... Yeah. yeah. The warp is the warp is the warp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. So, like, um, I know you and I have talked about the... Or, there's a couple units that, like, stick out to me um, that are that seem kind of fun, like the Kvasnik, which are the... I guess they're, they're drunkards, right? Yeah, yeah. And they can throw. They they don't call it a Molotov cocktail because well, um, you know, they Soviet copywriting. Yeah, Soviet uh. copywriting, but they they essentially toss a Molotov cocktail at six inch range. You know that ignores armor. That ignores uh. armor. It's a flanking <laughs> attack and it's quick to fire. So yeah, which is ridiculous. I mean, that's good times, and those are cheap units too. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, and then you have your. You have much like the uh, <clears throat> much like the empire. You have a war wagon, but in this case, yours turns into a fortress, right? Yes. Uh, so you you've got a war wagon, and you can um, basically set it up somewhere, and it becomes immobile. So it's it's stuck there, uh, but it also becomes unbreakable, and it's a uh, toughness five model with six wounds and a two up armor save that just doesn't go anywhere. And doesn't all of its crew have like range weapons? Um, they, they've got a lot of different choices. They can take bows, they can take crossbows, they can take pistols, handguns. Um, and then they can take flails, halberds. I mean, they, they you name it, they can about, uh, take it. Um, which, uh, 
given that last update of Highland Miniatures, that War Wagon they're releasing, I think it might have to be a thing here in the near future. You know where to find me. Um. I, I do, I do. <laughs> so uh, how have bears treated you? Uh, pretty well. Um, they've whiffed a couple games, but I think that was more to uh, general ship than, than their overall quality. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've, they've got the best uh, armor save of anything in my my army, which is three up, because uh, Kislev does not have great armor. Um, but they've, they've got the same basic profile as, like, Griffin Knights for the Empire. They're three wounds, they're uh, strength, um, uh, strength five, toughness four, um, and uh, you can give the riders lances, so, I mean, they hit hard, and the bears have three attacks each. Um, in addition to the attacks from the riders, um, they're tough. They're really good kind of beat stick cavalry, good for going against hordes. Um, Steven and I did a game where he brought, like, probably 150 Skaven rats, and they were just carving into clan rats, just mm-hmm. just doing so much damage to guys, and it just can, can consistently um, stay in the fight better than a lot of... Uh, uh, like the medium and heavy cavalry choices you've got. He only brought 150 rats. Were you guys I... only playing like a 50-point game? What was going on? <laughs> I, he could barely move them around the board. There were so many of them. Uh, he's got to get movement trays for those. Um... He's got them. They're just... <laughs> it's it. There's so many guys. Uh, um... I think he kept him in like blocks of 50 or something. <laughs> That's insane. But I do know... Like, yes, you're heavy into cav because of the smallest units, but explain to me why you have, like, 40 Griffin Legion. So, uh, they've got a special hero, uh, Tordomir Lubovasian. Super ridiculous name. Uh, but, uh, he's basically the captain of the Griffin Legion, and if you take him, uh, he makes Griffin Legion core rather than special units. So, oh wow! Uh, my compulsory core points are paid up with uh, Griffin Legion, which are yeah, they're like four hundred and fifty ish for like twenty of them. Um, and yeah, I mean Griffin Legion are really really solid. They're uh, um, weapon skill four. They've got lances, medium armor, shields, uh, but they're immune to psychology. Um, and they have the glorious charge rule, which means uh, when they charge, if they won combat, they basically can disengage, break off um, like they had fled, and then they immediately reform. So it really helps you out not getting stuck into protracted melees. Huh. Um, you can just charge, fall back, charge again. Um, it's good times. Plus their strength four, uh, which is... is I've learned a very, very useful thing. Also, their initiative force uh, yeah, on a charge are like high seven or something. Um, yeah, with lances. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they're really solid. And with, uh, you know, I, I also run a Hetman. Uh, he's sort of like your generic captain model, I guess would be the equivalent. Um, with the battle standard barriers, so you got D6 to um, your combat resolution with that, um, which was saved my butt a couple times. Um, but I also do like bringing, uh, the Tsarina. Uh, she's my main, uh, Lord choice. And, uh, she is tough. 
she's got lore master lore of ice which uh it's got a lot of really really brutal spells you can uh, uh make them her unit or if you run roll well enough you can make all units within 12 inches of the caster have a plus two to their armor saves oh wow that that's fantastic so yeah your four up armor goes up to a two up armor right. um except uh, against jason's flaming attacks which just ignore all that uh, naturally yeah yeah um she's also really helpful in that she makes um all units within 12 inches of her are stubborn uh and may re-roll psychology tests and if she joins a unit of griffin legion um they roll 3d6 for their morale checks so you know not fearless but damn near i know we were talking about it earlier but uh they're your uh i guess your level six spell is uh it's essentially an ice storm right yeah uh let me let me pull up lower ice here yeah um damn it where'd you go Ah, here we go. Okay. Uh, yeah, Lore of Ice is, is real mean. Uh, the, the level six spell, um, you're, you literally summon an ice storm, and you pick a point on the battlefield um, within 24 inches of the caster and roll an artillery dice, and uh, that distance, um, all models take 2d6 strength two hits, and then they suffer negative two to hit with... Uh, uh, missile weapons or if they don't use their ballistic skill to fire on a roll of like a four up they just don't fire um, but on that artillery dice if a misfire is rolled the entire board gets hit which the first time I used the spell is exactly what happened and uh, yeah it's good times Yeah, <laughs> just hitting everything it didn't even do a whole lot of damage to Jason but the fact that he had so much shooting and, you know, reducing a lot of the accuracy of that was extremely helpful. Even at the cost of a lot of my guys. That's still pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've also got a couple really, really helpful scale spells. Um, uh, Midwinter's Kiss. It's a uh, direct damage spell that uses the flame template. And it's a strength five hit uh, that ignores armor for everything. Um, and you can cast it into close combat. So if you do that, it causes 2d6 hits, which is really nice. Um, I'm trying you know, to think of... That's, that's really interesting, because, I mean, like, I'm trying to think of other direct damage spells that you can cast into combat. Um, I haven't found any. Oh. There are a couple, like yeah, not um, to say they're not, but they're, they're yeah, not many. Of them. Like I know there's probably just a couple. Like that's probably the max. Um, so you've got like brace scream uh, for the beast men. There's one I forget what it is called. It's like stream of filth, I think, in the lore of Nurgle. Uh, the upside to that, which is may not be immediately apparent, it doesn't say that it's a breath weapon. It says if you cast it into combat, you cause D6 hits, which in the way uh, it's kind of been updated in 9th edition, 
When you use a breath weapon in combat, it causes 2d6 hits, but every model can only be hit once, uh, which prevents you from um, doing what was pretty common in like 8th edition. If you were in a challenge, all your wounds have to be allocated into the challenge, so if you used a breath weapon, it would just be like vomiting 2d6 hits on a whatever poor asshole you're in a challenge with. Uh, so, if you fire off a breath weapon into like a small unit of a few guys, you can just hit each model once. However, uh, the, what is it, Midwinter's Kiss? Uh, doesn't function like that. It just causes 2d6 hits in combat. Which is really helpful when you're in a small unit of like something super tough, like say, full centaur renders, yeah. and you just vomit a bunch of four-up wounds into them that ignore their armor. Yeah, it's it's real helpful. Um, the other one that's been consistently good is got to be Gift of the Winter Wind. Um, Ooh, yeah, that is a good one. Twice now um, against Jason, uh, I've used it, and it's killed like half his Torx. Um, it's a Direct damage again, and uh, the target unit must pass a leadership test on 3d6, picking the highest. And uh, if it's failed, the every model in the unit must take a strength test um, or be removed as a casualty with no saves allowed. Um, so if you're strength four, you know every roll of five or six, you're you're just gone. Um, it's real mean against hordes. It's just good times. Keep in mind, that's essentially what Dwellers Below is. But that's the level 6 spell for life magic. Uh, this one's what, like, I think level 4? Uh, 5. Yeah. Five. Uh, but yeah, it's not even the top tier spell. But it's uh, real good stuff. And what's gross, uh, my Chaos Dwarves hate it, and they're pretty much leadership 9 across the board. I really hate to see what happens, you know, against leadership seven and eight armies. Yeah, it's I, I tried so hard bringing it against Steven and it just never casted properly. Oh, I know. Like, did I he to... always um, dispel it or? I, I'm trying to remember. I think our magic was just really bad. That happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first couple turns, we were just garbage with it. <laughs> Can't all be winners. Yeah, sure. No, but very cool. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited to to one play your army and to two like see your army grow because I mean I know as Bretonians like I I have a good wealth of 3D models to to pull from so I'm excited to see how Keyslev works out. Um, yeah, I'll, speaking of which, there was an, just another uh, Kickstarter for Keyslev that went live. <laughs> Yeah, they seem to be getting a lot of, like, it, I think definitely everyone else is in a kind of, like, there's a, everyone's hard for fantasy, you know, when everybody was hard for heresy, but now everybody's hard for fantasy, because I go to Kickstarter, and I see, like, four or five different Kickstarters for miniatures that would work perfectly for fantasy, you know? Yeah, I think the uh, Total War Warhammer 3 hype is kind of, you know, bleeding into the community, which is nice. Oh, yeah. Even if that game's not coming out till next year. It is nice to see. I can't... I don't think an army... 
has received more like 3D print love than Bretonia. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's easy. It's just knights on horses, like you know. But it's there's a very specific aesthetic to it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like not just knights. It is a little bit, but I mean, there's so many good ones out there that like get that hint of sort of, you know, fey enchantress magic just right. Well, there's some that get it just right, and there's some that like, it's like, what are we playing with third edition models again? Um, you know, that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> where like, it's like the concept is there, but it's just not quite finished. You know, um, it's like uh, comparing old GW plastic knights, like the original plastic knights of the realm, to like sixth edition knights of the realm and just you know the the change in size and like at least the armor looks good that kind of stuff so it could be worse oh it's true you know it could be an army like yours jason that had to all come from forge world right yeah your only two options were uh like 800 pounds of old giant assyrian big hats or uh hyper expensive Forge World, Mordor, Doom Turtle. <laughs> I mean, I am never to be scared off by a Forge World army. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think you need some more big hats. Um, and I think the listeners want you to have more big hats. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did just get that uh, old school, I think, 4th edition Earthshaker. Well, that's a start. But I think you need to replace your Infernal Guard with the proper Infernal Guard. Firm, professional, disagree. It would at least make me laugh more when, you know, two units of, uh, or two lances of knights crash into them. And I can imagine their big hats just falling over. Um, But anyways, um, so I guess we'll go into our our kind of last little segment of what are we reading? You know, anything fun lore wise? Uh, I know for me, uh, I think the past month, like I've had a little bit of time to read, but I, I finished, uh, the whole, uh, night of Bretonia series. So, you know, night errant, uh, night of the realm, uh, the, uh, questing night and then, uh, grail night. And I absolutely loved it, and it was pretty fantastic. So that's all I've got. Well, uh, I'm I'm going through the Return of Nagash, uh, the first book in the End Time series, because Ooh. they just added it to Audible. Good which choice. Is how I do like eighty percent of my reading nowadays, and it's pretty great. I mean, I I didn't know if there would be so much uh, vampire politicking in it, but that's that's a big part of it. But uh, Oh yeah, read um if if you're interested in vampire politicking, read Vampire Wars. Like there's an awful lot of talking for for a book that says war on it, you know. <laughs> I mean, the end times are kind of like the Star Wars, Star Wars prequel, prequel series of the setting. It's yeah. like there are a whole there bunch of bunch big of names big that, names you, know, that you, know, you know and a whole lot whole more, lot more like, like international, international trade, trade treaty, treaty agreements than you would expect. Than you expect. Good yeah. times all around. Yeah. 
But now it's a good, I'm like five hours into it. Um, it's great so far. It's really fun. Um, I'm realizing how much lore stuff I've just got no clue about because there's just whole sections. I'm like, yeah, this is exciting, but I don't know what's going on. Uh, yeah, end times got wacky real quick. <laughs> but how great, great is that, is that like, like learning, learning new lore, lore feeling again? Because, I mean, how, how, how long has how long it been has it since been we've learned, learned something, something new about, about like the Horus Heresy? Uh, you haven't read Mortis, have you? I haven't yet, no. <laughs> I just barely <laughs> managed to struggle, struggle my, my way, way through Solar War. Basically every Siege John... of Terra work. Oh man, Fury Dis of Magnus, oh my goodness. There's... Despite John French's best efforts, I made it through Solar War. <laughs> you know, uh, Mortis is legitimately better. Um, he did a really good that job. That wouldn't be one. hard. Uh, I'd prefer to read Nemesis. That's that's Ooh. a low blow. Oof, oof, yeah. Oof. Um, yeah. God. Um, I actually, as a second note, I have, as many of you listeners probably already know, and those that don't, I am a big collector of all of the Warhammer uh, RPGs, specifically the ones that like they did when. Um, they first started out as a company and they had their own publishing and then also the fantasy flight ones. And so I just recently bought like almost the entire set of the Warhammer fantasy fantasy flight set. So if anybody actually knows how to play that, hit me up on Facebook. Like <laughs> I have no idea how to play it. I've just been reading scenario books and like, oh, this is cool. But why do I have cards? And like, why are there tokens? Like what's going on here? Um, I don't know how the game works. I just like the pictures. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially all I am. Um, I am a, I am a, a hoarder of lore. Marge Simpson. I just think they're neat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be Pat like five years down the road. It's like I haven't known how to play Warhammer this entire time. I mean, really, I just most games, Jason. I just kind of lean on you. Let's be real honest. Um, heck, even in. Like Nova, I'd walk over to your table and be like, "Hey, what 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 does a conversion beamer do?" Um, <laughs> but no, happy to help. Yeah. So how about you, Jason? Oh goodness, let's see here. Um, well, fantasy wise, uh, though not Warhammer, I did just start into uh, Joe Abercrombie's last book uh, called "The Wisdom of Crowds." It's I've actually been waiting on this for almost a year now um just a very brief history uh joe abercrombie is one of the best fantasy writers i've ever run across he has a very unique like grim but realistic sort of black comedy way of writing that i fell in love with a hundred percent um after his very first trilogy it's called the blade itself uh he's up to a trilogy of trilogies of which uh the one i'm listening to now is the ninth and final book and there are also three standalone novels uh let's see best served cold 
the heroes and red country and what's unique there uses the same characters same setting as everything this is all in the same like terrific little fantasy setting um each one of them takes a different genre trope uh so for example like the heroes is a war movie uh best served cold is like a revenge mafia movie and red country is a western and he takes each of those like genre trope settings and uses it in his fantasy world that he's created uh they are all terrific involved well-written humorous uh and I love them to death. Uh, the wife does too. We've listened to all like like 400 hours of the series uh, together. And this is actually, I think, the only audiobook I've ever pre-ordered. Wow. Because we, yeah, we finished the last one. I cannot, for the life of me, remember the name of the second book in his third trilogy. Uh, but we finished that one like six or seven months ago. And up until that point, we had just straight listened through them, like just one right after the other. And then, bam, eight-month wait time until the last book came out. Jeez. Uh, that whole well series, away. That, his main series, though, it's called like The First Law, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, first the first trilogy is called the first, the first Law, and it's uh, dealing with the first law of magic in the world. Gotcha. Uh, the first, uh, the first book, book of the first trilogy is called The Blade Itself. Cool. No, I'll have to check that out because I mean it is well worth your time. I'm, I'm, I constantly get the critique of, hey, why don't you read something other than uh, Warhammer? So, we'll see. Maybe, maybe I should branch out. <laughs> Um, the books themselves are good, but what really sets it off, in the same way I know I am going to love the next Aaron Dimsky Bowden audiobook that's narrated by um, Jonathan Keeble. That's the guy. Because they, it's not just like a flat reading. You know, some Games Workshop voice artists, you know, will just do a kind of a flat reading. Some, Some uh, uh, Salvation's uh, Reach, I'm looking at you, uh, uh, they go a they little go too, far, too far, and, and the characters seem almost cartoonish. cartoonish. Uh, I get it, it's I a British, British, British company, you cannot do an Irish accent. accent. You don't have to try. Have to try. Uh, it's, uh, it's cool, you can leave that off. But every single time, Jonathan Keeble, like kind of gets together it's like a little super force with aaron dimsky bowden uh, exact it's like they're they're just meant to like work with each other's you know work uh joe abercrombie the exact same thing with uh stephen pacey uh he is a phenomenal voice actor uh and one of the only voice actors i've actually like you know gone off and tried to find other work he's done just because he did it and, and I, don't I don't remember which one it is, but Steve Pacey has actually been on an ensemble cast for one Black Library novel. I think it's like a audio drama or something. I'm not positive what it is. I just remember seeing it. I will have to track that down. 
but yeah, that little uh, tirade aside, yeah, well worth your time. Go check it out. Cool. Very cool. And would you suggest to people that they should do the audiobook over the book book? Oh yeah, thousand percent. Like I feel like it's kind of a thing. Like as a guy, as soon as you hit thirty, it's like bam, you've got an audible subscription. So I mean, put it to work. Don't let them credits pile up because after six, you just start losing them. Really? Oh yeah, they'll only let you have six, and Amazon's real sneaky about it. They'll keep keep uh, you know charging your card or whatever, but then they'll be like, "Oh, sorry, we sent you an email that you hit your limit." Bastards. Too bad. Looks, Looks like, like we, charged we charged you for six, six months, months. You can't, you can't use. use. Mm. Friendly tip. Good to know. My credits last about five minutes. So. Oh yeah. yeah. As soon as I get the email notification, I've got a wish list like two dozen novels long. Yeah, I turned off my Audible subscription um, just to save a little money because I had a backlog of stuff, and now I don't have a backlog of stuff, and I'm debating. Gotta fire it back up, Pat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like pay 14 bucks a month or buy each one for like 25 to $30 a piece. Keeble right. narrating <clears throat> the Go Trek series is a treasure. Oh, it's he so does good. the uh, voice work for it. Yeah, yeah. His Go Trek is that. just perfect. Just it, it's it, No other human could do it better. Oh, that makes me so happy. I really like his work. Yeah, yeah it's... That and the Gaunt's Ghost series of like every six weeks. All right, we're going to come. Yeah. Going to have to go check that action out now. I have heard decent things about the new Gotrek novels in Age of Sigmar. Which, really? <laughs> which I know, I know. I, I, I spoke the, the ancient evil. Um, but uh, yeah, no. I mean, I will say this much. I actually picked up the Varengard. Va- book for age of sigmar a couple of months ago took it to the beach read it it was really enjoyable yeah to be real honest though the only reason i picked it up is because it was written by robbie mcniven who's the guy who writes all of the uh space shark so the kakaradons uh books so but he's a damn good writer so if anybody's looking for a good Age of Sigmar book or Warhammer 40k book. Go check out the space, the Carcharodons or the uh, or slash Space Sharks uh, books mm-hmm. on Black Library. They're worth it. But anyways, I think that's it for us guys. You guys got any plugs, Jared? Any fun plugs? Um. Uh, Maybe uh, you know. Cottonelle for providing such great coverage for Henry turning you into a mummy, uh, you know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm currently going through uh, the cookbook uh, Everyone Can Bake by Dominic Ansel. Uh, it's pretty good so far. Yeah. Awesome. I'm going to, when we ever do get a game in, I will make uh, Sable Breton cookies to uh, commemorate. I'm all about it. Yeah, I haven't had one of those in years. I've never had them, so yeah. Huh? Well, there you go, Jason. Ooh, uh, well, I guess one day I will leave the dreary life of a public service scientist and work for Coca Cola. But 
until that day. Um, you know, you still like Coke. Um, and other than that, uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a website, um, rr30k.com, where we, uh, we post plenty of things. Um, and if you really, really like us and you love our content, uh, please consider patroning to us. We have a Patreon. Uh, the link is probably in the bottom of the description of this episode, and it's all over the place. If you feel like it, feel free. Otherwise, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll uh, we'll see you later.